Hello, and welcome to the Palmetto Report. I'm your host, Rebecca Davis. Thank you for joining us. Runner Mary Kane, who trained with the Nike Oregon Project from 2013 to 2017, made allegations of mental and physical abuse that she experienced during her time at the training group. Kane said the coaches, led by head coach Alberto Salazar, convinced her that she had to keep losing weight, ridiculed her body and weight in front of her teammates and other athletes at competition, and ignored her when she expressed feelings of depression and self-harm. Kane felt that she could come forth with her experiences after the Oregon Project was dismantled in October over doping allegations. Eight other athletes that have trained with the Oregon Project have since shared negative experiences similar to Kane's, dating back to 2008. In an interview with the New York Times, Kane said that this abuse is part of a larger issue in sports where women's bodies are expected to meet standards set by how men's bodies develop, and women are pressured to be thinner than what is healthy. Kane lost her period for three years and broke five bones due to Salazar's extreme training methods and body shaming. Today we are joined by Dr. David Sherry, an associate professor of exercise science at Winthrop University. Dr. Sherry is a performance consultant for Winthrop Athletics. He focuses on the importance of the psychological and social aspects of sport, exercise, and physical activity through his teaching, research, and work with coaches and athletes. Dr. Sherry, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So what did you think when you heard about these allegations against Alberto Salazar and the Nike Oregon Project? Well, as most people, I would assume I was shocked with what was going on on one hand. I mean, you don't want to see any athlete go through that type of experience. That's not why athletes get into their sports. It's not why they enjoy it. But on the other hand, I wasn't surprised. Uh, This is probably just one of many stories that have come out recently. I mean, the... uh, Oh, what what sport? I'm blanking on it now. The uh, gym, gymnastics uh, scandal that that broke a few years ago, very very like like this one. So I think that while sports, the sports world is always shocked when things like this happened. I think we forget that it happens in patterns. So you mentioned before that you discussed this issue with your sports psychology class. What yeah. kind of things came up in that discussion with students? Most people were shocked. A lot of people had not seen it, or if they had seen it, they didn't really know the details past just the headlines that they might have seen. And so I would say that most were taken aback that a coach could do this, that a company as big as Nike that sponsors and has so much power would let this happen. So that that was the primary, I guess, reaction from the students. So I mentioned before some of the physical and mental impacts that Mary Kane experienced. What other possible impacts does abuse like this have? I mean, it it could be long-term damage. Uh, I mean, everything from uh, depression and anxiety, post-traumatic stress could come from this. Uh, I mean, this is all things that I think is is out there in the research when when you look at any sort of emotional, physical, those are the things that, that people struggle with long term. Obviously, short term, it can cause somebody to really hate their sport or hate whatever activity they're involved in if it's not athletics. So it, it really discourages them from wanting to pursue their passion. It could really send them down a negative spiral, sometimes substance abuse, because a lot of times the pressure gets put on them. As, as the case with, with Mary Kane, everyone was blaming her. 
essentially, you know, that this isn't a real problem. Why are you bringing this up? And because of that, a lot of times people will internalize what's going on. And when you internalize it, when you have no outlet and no one actually validating your experience as real or as valuable, that's when people start substance abuse, self-harm, like she talked about, having having thoughts of, of killing herself. So those, I think, are, are, are the biggest... I guess, impacts and things that you need to watch out for, which a lot of times we don't even think about because, well, it's sports. It should just be fun. It's not serious. So outside of the Oregon Project, do you see a trend in women's sports where women are held to an unhealthy body standard? I think it depends on the sport, really. And you you can see I, I always like to give the, the, double sp- the double standard of uniforms with, with men's sports versus, um, you know, a, a girl's sport, even, even at, at, at a young age. I mean, if, if you're out and you're playing volleyball, you're in skin-tight uniforms, whereas men are in shorts and a T-shirt, even though it's the same game, same rules. And so I think because of that, a lot of pressure gets put on women, even if the coaches – don't stress it or even bring it up just because of how they have to perform. So I definitely see this this double standard there and it's it's most obvious when the two sports from from the two different genders are playing side by side. But then when you even look at at sports that don't have that same sort of comparison, I mean gymnastics both men and women wear pretty much skin tight outfits just because of the the nature of the activity you still see women being judged more on their physical appearance than men are judged on their physical appearance. And because of that, you you see women take that pressure again on themselves, even if coaches or parents or whoever are, are not pushing and are trying to take a healthy stance on it just because of these cultural expectations. So how do women often deal with these pressures that are placed on them and their bodies? It really depends. I mean, that's a great question. And I don't think that there's any one way that that women will will take it. It really depends on the person's personality uh, for for one. Uh, you know, are they somebody who really values what other people say and think of them? I mean, those people are probably most susceptible to these kinds of negative consequences, but then also who are the people that are around them? What are they saying? What are they doing? Both friends, family, coaches, because that environment is really going to be either a supportive context or a inhibitor of, of, of this kind of uh, behavior, or it's going to encourage it. And so really those, those people that are closest to the female athlete are going to have a lot of influence. And then uh, kind of layer on top of that, the, the culture that they're in, if they are in a sport culture that really values the way a woman looks like gymnastics, let's say that's going to have a lot more pressure than on certain sports where it isn't as prioritized. Uh, So, so I think that, that those three areas will determine how, how an individual takes it and and if, if they're going to have negative consequences or if they're going to be able to, I guess, stand against the, the expectations. So how do you think an overall change in sports could come about so that women aren't held to those high body standards or uneven standards? <laughs> right. I mean, that's the million-dollar question. I think that sports are a reflection of the culture at large. So you can't fix 
sports without talking about these bigger cultural values and expectations. And as long as women in general have certain, let's say, body standards that they're expected to have, however you base that on, it's going to filter down into sports. And you can do some things in sports like change uniforms, let's say. I think that that would be step number one. But that's really a Band-Aid on a bigger problem on why why are women in general held to more body standard issues than men are. And until that's really tackled, I don't really see sports taking that many steps forward just because, again, sports is just a reflection of the culture that it operates in. You're listening to the Palmetto Report. We're speaking with Dr. David Sherry about the allegations of abuse made against the Nike Oregon Project and the pressure put on female athletes to be skinnier. So, Dr. Sherry, what do you think can be done to prevent programs like the Oregon Project from becoming negative environments for women's bodies? Right. I think that Mary Kane's brought up a few that are that are very good points. I think within an organization as large as Nike putting as much money and resources behind these types of programs, they really need to have more women that are that are coaches that have these these roles that they are making decisions on what's going on on those teams. They also need to have certified and licensed people around those athletes. I was really shocked when when Mary was talking about the environment that she was in and they didn't have a certified sports psychologist. They didn't have a certified dietitian. They just pretty much had a lot of Coach Salazar's friends around him, uh, and they were just filling these roles. And whether they had formal training or not, who knows? So I think step two after you, you, you get more women in these, in these roles is have certified professionals that do not answer to the coach. I think that that's, that's a big thing because if my job, let's say, as a, as a sports psychology professional is, is determined by the head coach – he or she can fire me at will, well, then that's a basic conflict of interest there. So I think that those professionals need to be part of the team, but they can't answer to the coach. They have to be on on an equal playing ground to the coach so they can take a stand when they don't think things are right. And again, more diversity within those roles, I think, will, will also help. And then more transparency. If if these things are going on at Nike at that high of a level, then they're probably going on across the country, maybe globally, who knows. So if we can have more transparency on how these coaches are selected, we can have more transparency on what goes on behind closed doors, that would help if if athletes can truly talk and feel that they can have a voice in the process and they just don't answer to this authoritative coach. I think all of these things are really necessary in order to help turn the tide. So what do you think would look different about it if there were women as more coaches and in more leadership roles? Right. And going back to what Mary Kane had said, I think it for 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 the athlete that's on that team, I think that they can have somebody who might know their body better than a male head coach could or knows the pressures that they feel. So I mean as as a man myself, there's some things I don't no, I, I cannot relate as much as I try to what a female volleyball player feels like when they have to be in very revealing uniforms uh, because I've never had to be in that situation. So I think something like that with that empathetic side can help. But then just being able to have more and different voices in the room when they're making decisions 
And then it, it trickles all the way down to being able to have role models. So if I, I, I have uh, twin daughters myself, uh, they're only seven months old right now, but if I wanted them to be world-class runners and they can see that there's these women that have made it all the way to the top rungs of the coaching ladder and they're now coaching this next round of female athletes, to me, that's so much more empowering. I would feel to them because they see people who are like them and not males. Not that there's anything wrong with males coaching females per se, but it really takes away from this role model stance because we are more motivated by by seeing people do things that look more like us. So obviously weight is important in sports, but how should it be handled in a healthy way? Yeah, that's a great question as well. So my, my sport when, when I was uh, an, an athlete in college and I also coached was, was crew or those long skinny rowing boats. And there's, there's a division within that that people have to weigh themselves. So, I, so I've seen that I, I, I was not in that division, but I had friends that were uh, on, on both genders. And I saw the damage that, it could, that could be done if somebody was held to a weight standard that was unrealistic. So I think that the number one thing is you should not be – Competing in a sport that has, let's say, a weight limit, if that is not around your natural body weights or it's not realistic for you, because then you're just setting yourself up for failure. So if I know if I need to be at 150 pounds, but my natural body weight is at 175, that's probably not going to be very good for me. So I I think that's number one. Number two would be for coaches to understand that, yes, weight might be important, but at the same time, is that really going to be the make or break factor for athletic performance? Once you get, let's say, to a high level like like Mary Kane was at, pretty much every level, or I'm sorry, every athlete at that level is going to have similar body types. And a pound here or a pound there is not going to be the make or break between a gold medal and a silver medal. There's so many other factors involved. At the lower levels, I think weight can play, let's say, a bigger a bigger role, but again, it goes back to what's what's the purpose of sport? Is the if the purpose of sport is always to win, well, then I think weight's always going to be this factor of oh, it could give me that extra edge, and then you're always going to have athletes and coaches that will push the limits to the point that they're unhealthy. But if we can start looking at well, sports, especially at those lower levels, aren't so much about winning or not not entirely about winning. It's about all these other plethora of things that sports can be. Well, then maybe weight shouldn't even be discussed. Maybe it should just be about the experience. Maybe it should just be about going out there and learning the sport. So one, at at the elite level, I think that weight really doesn't matter because if you've made it to that level, you obviously have a body type that excels. And then at the lower levels, I personally would make the argument that weight shouldn't even really be a focus because winning and winning at all costs, which is when weight gets gets involved, probably shouldn't be um, the main focus. So where exactly. does mental health fall into that? How important is that in sport and performance? I mean, mental health is is becoming bigger and bigger. And it's, it's becoming bigger and bigger in the conversation, but I think it has been a part of the of the factors that that influence athletes for much longer than we've actually given it attention. So if, if you had to compare, okay, what's more important, weight or mental health? For me, being a mental health professional, I would always say mental health is going to take priority and should always take priority because weight, especially with sport, sport is only 
competitive for so long within your life before it's 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 no longer at that high level. Whereas your 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 mental health is for your lifetime, and so you don't want to sacrifice your long term mental health for a short term gain in sacrifice, let's say, to crash diet or to lose weight in an unhealthy way. So I think that mental health should always be priority number one when you're looking at decisions that you're making. Are you doing something, let's say, as a coach that could compromise your athlete's mental health, whether it's depression, obviously suicidal thoughts, those kinds of things you definitely don't want to touch. You want to give them as much support as possible. But if you know that an athlete struggles with something or you suspect it, that should take priority over any other type of training. Dr. Sherry, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm Rebecca Davis, and you're listening to the Palmetto Report.